Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Theology Pit. This is the seminary edition. It's the, uh, well, it's the 13th of January, 2018, when I'm recording this. And uh, just a little bit over one week until seminary officially starts. So uh, I'll give you an update on what's going on. Stay tuned. Hi, this is John Hall. And this is Kathy Emmons. And we're from 101.5 Ward FM. And you've just fallen into the Theology Theology Pit. Pit. Well, hey everyone, welcome to the Theology Pit. This is Theology out of Pittsburgh, and not to be confused with the Bottomless Pit, because you know what we say, when you fall into a bottomless pit, you die of dehydration. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, uh, seminarian theologue, I believe is the proper term, a student of theology, as we all are. We all are theologues out there, everyone in uh, Theology Pit land. Theology Pittsburghies, I suppose. Um, Well... Today, this was an interesting week. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I told you before, I'm doing a lot of prep stuff uh, for seminary. I did a lot of prep reading, and my books, you know, I had, oh, I would say 19 of them that came in last week, and um, a couple more. I've gotten since then uh, that have either you know, come in or um, you know, have on. You know, I've, I've went and picked up at the seminary, but uh, there's one more that I'm waiting on. The seminary has it on order. It should be in. It's a um, it's a requirement for the the course. So, you know, it, more than likely, you know, I'll have that before it starts. Um, I think I have some readings to do out of it. So for the the, the first class, but the first class is on a Thursday. So. I still have some time with that. Anyways, um, one of the things that I've been doing is, and I think I talked about this, you know, in the last uh, episode, I've been um, reading in preparation for the classes. Now, in my um, Introduction to World Missions class, I have four uh, book reviews that I have to do. And in my, I believe it's my hermeneutics class, I have one book review that I have to do. Um, so I've gotten, uh, two of them done this week. And the first one that I got done is called, um, Christian Mission in the Modern World. And this book was about, oh, I'd say, you know, 200 and let me look at it real quick. 217 pages, roughly. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it was a decent read. I, I liked it. The second one that I read, um, the book is around 180, yeah, about 180 pages. Um, and it's called uh, The New Global Mission. And it's by uh, Samuel Escobar. Uh, the Christian Mission, or, yeah, Christian Mission in the Modern World. Uh, John Stott wrote that book, but then the version that I have that we were asked to do the review on was updated and expanded by uh, Christopher Wright. And I, I have to say, these books, they were, the interesting thing about them is that they, I, I agree with John Stott and Christopher Wright with a lot of what they say. Not everything, of course. You know, I mean, rarely do you find someone where you agree with everything that they say. But I would say the majority of it, I agree with. The background, I agree with. Um, The new global mission, I got to say a large majority of that book, I completely disagree with. Now, what I'm going to be doing is on samsonstick.com, I'm going to make a section where I'm going to put my book reviews up. 
and, and of the books and pretty much all of my work, anything that I do, any papers that I do, anything like that. I'm going to put them uh, online, and you can you can read them. You can check them over. You can see these reviews, and maybe these reviews are something that you would like to read. Um, Christian Mission in the Modern World. What surprised me about that is even if you are never planning on doing a across-the-globe, cross-cultural missions uh, journey ever, this book is still really good. A lot of very sensible, practical application stuff uh, goes on in it. I, I, I did enjoy reading it, and I, I mean, I got a lot out of it, and I, I was surprised by that. The New Global Mission, on the other hand, um, I'm probably going to use this theology pit to vent about the stuff that I did not like in it. Uh, that how much I disagreed with it. Now, here was the thing. The papers that I had to write, they had to be favorable to the books, okay? I had to try and understand uh, the author's intent. I had to understand what the author was saying. Um, I had to find out what their main point was theologically, you know, what they were saying. And it was... it. The reviews are not to be arguments. They are not to show how I know why they're wrong. It's to understand their view so that I can understand the fullness of the subject better. Yesterday, uh, I went to the seminary. My um, pastor is uh, taking classes right now. He's, he's working on his MDiv. Technically, in our... Um, I guess our branch of, of Presbyterian, you know, Presbyterian um, synod or you know whatever whatever it is, um, they because he doesn't have his MDiv yet, he cannot be ordained, and therefore, since he's not ordained by the denomination, he can't have the title of pastor, even though he's doing pastoral work, he's doing pastoral roles. He has a pastor's heart. So, you know, Ron, shout out to you. Um, I work with him, you know, closely in, uh, in worship ministry and, uh, you know, weekly. And um, he has, he's someone who has a pastor's heart. I mean, he is, he's someone who is designed to be a pastor. So I, you know, I'll refer to him as pastor, but I know that there are some people out there that say, well, you shouldn't, you know, give titles to people or they haven't earned them or, you know, the titles can't be, uh, you know, imposed on them. I know some people said that, have said to me that, you know, unless somebody has actually been recognized by an official denomination, you cannot uh, refer them as pastor and they cannot take the title of pastor. I understand those arguments. I get it. Anyways. Um, fact of the matter is that you know some people just do naturally have a predisposition to pastoral work. Okay, I'm obviously one that does not. But um, so he's there. He's there studying, and he did one of the um, winter intensive classes, and that's where you take an entire semester's worth of classes of material in a week. It's like you know, thirty five. You take out the um, the lunches and stuff and the breaks around like 35 hours of lecture in one week. 
Um, you have a textbook to read through. I'm not sure how big the textbook is. Usually they're between like 500 and 700 pages. Um, so you'd have that. I don't know if he had any additional reading to do, but then he had three, I think there were three, like five to six page reports also that, that have to be done. I think he has until the end of next week to, to do those. And it was on the book of Isaiah, taught by um, Dr. Don Collett. And um, so anyways, he, he was there and I went to the seminary to see if my, if my book had shown up that I had ordered that I was waiting on. And, uh, I knew that he was going to be there. So I said, Hey, let's, you know, let's have lunch now. You know, the, the school caters lunch for the students every day. It's, it, it's phenomenal. Plus any leftovers they put in a student fridge and you can just take them home. Like anybody can just go in there. Any student can go in there and just you know, grab what you want and, and head home. And so his, uh, Ron's wife, uh, Jen works at the um, at the school also, and so I was sitting with them, and she was telling me that there are some students who said that the entire time that they were there, they never cooked dinner because they would just take home, you know, the uh, uh, whatever was left over from the lunches, and you know, it's, and it's all it's pretty hearty food too. It's it's you know it's pretty good. So you know, I was there yeah, talking with him about stuff, and then. Um, just you know, shooting the breeze type things, and uh, talking with some of the other you know faculty. And you know, his lunch was over, so I went over to the library to see if the book had come in. And um, I you know was talking to um, one of the professors who he um, he he was teaching a doctoral class on. I think it was on biblical interpretation, and we were just kind of discussing you know, what, what he was doing, what he was teaching. And, and he wasn't in class because he said he let his class go half day. It was on a Friday. He figured he got in everything that he could get in, you know, or everything that he wanted to get in. Plus the weather here in Western Pennsylvania, it was just terrible on that day. And we we're supposed to get like, you know, freezing rain and snow. And we did, we got a ton of it. I think, I think he, where I live, we got, um, on top of the rain, we got the freezing rain overnight. And then I think we got between like six and eight inches of snow depending on the different places. So, you know, it came down pretty good. So, you know, concerned with people, he kind of let him go. Plus, you know, he was saying that, <laughs> excuse me, the majority of his students are like pastors that are there, you know, finishing up, getting their, their doctorate degree. And he was kind of saying, what do you, you know, what, what do you teach them? You know, what do you teach a bunch of pastors about, you know, Bible interpretation or about, or about the Bible? Like, you know, what, you know, that they don't know. And we were just kind of discussing some things and, you know, brainstorming some stuff. And he was just talking about how fatigued he was after lecturing that marathon. And he said, you know, he was, he was pretty good into Wednesday. He felt like he was hitting a stride. Then Thursday hit. And he just said that that was it. Like it was, he was out. He, he just said he was getting so tired and so lethargic in class. People were asking questions and he had to tell himself like, okay, pay attention to this question. This is important. You know, just focus. You have to focus. Like he was just running out of steam. And you know, I mean, it's kind of nice to talk with the professors when they're decompressing like that because you, you never really think about you know what they're going through you're always concerned with your work and your papers and are you doing stuff right and you know some of them have classes that have 20 some students in them and so if they um you know uh, assign a lot of work it's a lot of work for them or their you know TAs that they may have helping 
you know, in, in, uh, going through all of that. So for example, in this, um, introduction to world missions, you know, I have, uh, I'm going to have, you know, test quizzes. I, and I'm going to have, um, you know, the four, uh, book reviews that are, you know, they have to be under five pages and mine are, uh, you know, five pages, um, you know, I'm hitting. I'm not going over five pages, so I'm staying within the the limitation. And then the uh, final, I think, has to be uh, the final research paper has to be uh, like ten pages long. So you know, just for me, from from one student there, you know, it's going to be like thirty pages of work that he has to you know read over. And, and grade. And I'm one of, I think, 17 students in that class. So multiply that by 17. And, you know, that's what, uh, that, that's what he's going to you know, have going on. And that's just with writing. That's not even, you know, any, any quizzes or you know, anything like that. But while I was there in the library, the guy who was um, working in the library, uh, he just happened to be the the student body president. And I talked to him previously and I just started asking him questions about, you know, the, the, the rhythm of the school year and, and what I should expect. And, you know, specifically on the professors that I had and, you know, he's in his, um, his final semester of his, of his, uh, master of divinity. And he only has two more classes to take to finish up this last semester like that's it so he has a pretty late semester and he was telling me um all about him and he said um that it's good that i'm i'm reading and getting these reviews done uh beforehand because it'll allow me to do the the required reading that i'm going to have week by week at a a good pace i'm not going to be trying to cram too much stuff in he said the thing is though um, with uh, you know, this this professor for the missions, I think Dr. John McDonald is his name. Uh, he is going to want me not to argue with these with these reviews. He said, "Don't do it." He said because he um, he had TA'd four professors before, and a lot of times, you know, a, a TA will look over those those papers, you know, read through them, and he said that it can come across sounding very arrogant and argumentative where it's a paper that's just ripping apart the book and he said you're not going to get high marks you know for just doing that pay attention to what they want exactly and give them that and he said and and you know he knows that that's what they're looking for they want you to interact with it with with the book and you know within the reviews but they want you to find the the merit in it and they want you to understand the position not just tell them, well, it's wrong because of this. So with my reviews, if you read them, and I'm going to tell you this right now, uh, like I've said before, the second book, um, it's called The New Global Mission by Samuel Escobar. That one will be up. I do not agree with a lot of this book. I I really, really don't. Um, But my review that I gave on it, I try and highlight, excuse me, I try and highlight all of the you know good things that I think that it has to say. Um, and it's from a, a, a South American 
understanding. And if you know anything about South American theology, liberation theology, um, I, I don't think I've ever talked about it before on the theology pit. Um, I've, I've taught it before in, in you know, teaching ecclesiology, just study of the church. Um, and I, I understand it. I understand where it comes from. I because of you know the instrument that I play, I you know people friend me from all over the world on the Chapman stick, and I've I've taught theology classes online internationally, so I've had exposure to a lot of um, uh, people that are not American or you know Western European style cultures and i know what they think of americans okay i know how america is perceived and what they're thinking of and it's a, it's a particular stereotype of you know this type of you know ugly american this this rich snobby um you know backstabbing uh type type view they um and 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 it's it's this stereotype uh samuel escobar has of americans um he in his book he doesn't know the difference between consumerism and capitalism and maybe other people don't as well but there is a very distinct difference between consumerism and capitalism he seems to applaud the merits of capitalism without knowing that that's what he's talking about um and but he just denounces western culture he is almost cheering for the downfall and destruction of the western churches so that it will be considered a fertile mission field in order for um, you know the latin american missionaries and missionaries from you know other parts of the world to come in he's um, pentecostal charismatic pentecostal which means he believes in the supernatural sign gifts the faith healing the speaking in tongues the you know everything that that goes along with that um, very strong into what's called fideism which is just faith in faith it's that your faith is a power your faith heals your faith does all this stuff and I, I understand where a lot of that comes from, but some of the things he gets wrong about American culture when, when he mentions it that kind of drove me nuts was that uh, he talks about you know cultural differences. That's that's a big theme in his uh, you know cultural differences, and and even though America has its problem with cultural differences, for example, the um, riots in Los Angeles in 1991, he says that they were. Um, you know, uh, happening because African Americans and Korean Americans did not get along. When, you know, if you're an American who lived through that period, you know very well that it, it was not caused by that. It was, it was caused by the uh, police officers getting um, acquitted in the, um, uh, the 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 beating that was caught on video of um, oh why is the guy's name escaping me Rodney I think that's what it is you know can't we all just get along guy yeah, anyways I'll I'll remember it later um, but uh, but but he's he's just attributing that to some type of like you know racial tension where you know that was happening that there were uh, you know when the riots started and you know a, a lot of black people were going to go into the Korean district and and destroy their property that a, a lot of the Koreans you know were up on top of their businesses and up on top of their homes with um, AR-15s in order to you know protect their property which is 
completely legal and understandable in the United States and, you know, where we live. That's, that's why we have the Second Amendment. It is, you know, it's for protection. Um, he also is a huge socialist or communist and communist. I, I mean, he's, he kind of goes back and forth because he sings the praises of Che Guevara, who, I mean, he had some of the most heinous and disparaging things to say about black people um, using, like, you know, horrible language, horrible racist language against them. He murdered people. I mean, there are stories of him, you know, shooting, uh, I think it was like a 14-year-old boy who, who stood up to him one time in the back of the neck and almost decapitating him. I mean, it's, I mean, there, the man is a, a tremendous murderer and he is, is putting up, you know, quotes that this guy would say and how, you know, they were written on, you know, walls of like, you know, universities or wherever I have to, I have to find the exact uh, quote and, and how we need more people like that. We need more thinkers like that. And same thing, you know, with Karl Marx and Marxism. And we need, you know, more more visionaries like that. We need more people speaking in, in that way, which is, to me, uh, completely unbiblical and, and anti-biblical of the, um, the the freedom that we have that, that um, you know, Scripture provides. But there's some wiggle room there. Maybe one day I'll, uh, you know, I'll discuss why um, yeah, America is uh, such an individualistic uh, country when it comes to that. Um, he also uh, says that, you know, you shouldn't look at individual cultures and immediately condemn them, which I, I can understand. But the way he goes about saying it, he starts talking about Muslims. And he says, you know, with, with Muslims, there are there are fanatics and um, uh, traditionalists and... Um, I don't know why these words are all escaping me here, but anyways, there are like like not to appear the fundamentalists. They're fundamentalists in every uh, tradition, okay? And you know you shouldn't blame the Muslims for you know the the crazy fundamentalists and what they did in nine uh, eleven and you know to our country, and we shouldn't look at Islam that way. And then he goes on to point out the. Um, you know the the horrible atrocities that had been committed in the 20th century he says um namely uh communism and the holocaust you know that those things were done by quote unquote uh christian countries and not by muslims and it's like no actually the holocaust was done by people who were national socialists I mean, that's what Nazis stood for. It was the National Socialist uh, Labor Union, uh, something like that. Um, and, and that's exactly what they are. I mean, Adolf Hitler was a, you know, a vegetarian national socialist. Like, he had this idea of a utopia, of, like, perfect people. It's, I mean, I've, I've said before, you can say what you want about Hitler, but he was consistent in his his uh, his worldview. I mean, he saw that, you know, people, societal evolution means the survival of the fittest, and, you know, you can weed out all the bad by uh, exterminating them. I mean, it's a horrible thing, but at least he's, he's consistent. Um, and that's... 
that's socialism. Um, communism isn't any better. More people have died under uh, communism and because of socialism in the 20th century. Uh, it, that's why it was the bloodiest, bloodiest century on record um, in in the in the history of our, our keeping records. I mean, how many people died through all of that? It's it's horrible. And for him to be applauding these people and holding them up was so distasteful. At the same time, uh, condemning um, you know individual liberty and capitalism, which is the only system that's been able to pull people up out of poverty. And uh, not have a poverty class, but he looks at a lot of the book of Acts as uh, as prescriptive and not descriptive, meaning that it's 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 telling you the way that you should act and the way that you should behave. And he looks at, um, you know, what would be considered the quote unquote communism in it. it. That's different. If a bunch of people want to get together and, you know, pool all of their resources for a, a certain purpose, that's not communism. Communism is at the barrel of the gun, forcing everyone else to give to you the central power. Um, and he kind of excoriates the Western churches for saying that we intimidate through our, you know, our, our financial power and through our, our technology, the other missions in the world. Um, that, you know, it's not until the... Uh, you know the stringent weight of you know Western missionary agencies leave that then the indigenous Christians of the area can actually do real missionary work, and um, you know and then you have an explosion of of you know things that happen like in uh, China and Africa and uh, South America, in Latin America, but um, it's. It's so problematic, this uh, concept that he has. And he's extremely Pentecostal to the point where if you don't accept a Pentecostal-type um, gospel message, then you are rejecting the gospel as a whole. And he says that Western Christians are, or, or Western people in post-Christian countries, like um, the North American countries and the European countries, are resistant to the gospel. And he doesn't even bother to understand why they are resistant to the gospel. He just writes them off, and he's just waiting for everything to collapse so that then uh, the true gospel can go in and educate. And, I, and I've said that the reason why is because of anti-intellectualism. People who were Christians, you know, at, at one point or grew up in a Christian country or a Christian home or know enough about it and know enough to ask questions. And if you can't answer the questions other than we just have to have faith, which is what he's you know putting out there ultimately this type of theology ultimately puts that out there. You just have to have faith. Well, in order for you to accept that, one of two things have to happen. You know, either, you know, that message has to be true, that you just need to blindly have faith, or the person is desperate enough that they will try that. And then if they get results from it, that is what they will base their faith on. Those are the only two things because blind faith is completely unbiblical. You know, I mean, you need good theological teaching. So, by not and he i mean he excoriates western you know culture for not understanding the 
non-Western cultures and going in and talking like them and, and trying to Europeanize them with missions that their societies and cultures and infrastructures can't handle. And I mean, I, I, I agree with them in, in that sense that, you know, that, that I could see how that can be problematic, but at the same time, He's refusing to understand the Western cultures and the problem that it has and the way that you would go about doing missions with them. And if you've been listening to the Theology Pit for these you know, past few years that I've been doing it, that's what I'm doing. I'm engaging in missionary work in my culture, which is, in a way, a um, yeah, a, a cross-cultural thing. Um you know, I live in a, a, a different culture than a Christian culture. Um, you know, my society is mostly secular. And even within my uh, church body, a lot of that secularism and those ideas, you know, they, they filter their way in. And we see that. And so, you know, we have to combat that. What we don't do is, is write it off and say, well, it just has to get to a place where it can just amorphically believe in you know, the, the Pentecostal message of just have faith in faith. Um, and so I, I, I just found I, I couldn't disagree more with the majority of this book. What I gained from it was, though, that, you know, it was telling me, hey, what I've learned from people that live around the the world and what they think about Americans and American Christians, you know, about Americans in general, spill over into American missionaries and what they think in in that aspect. And that needs to be changed through dialogue and education and... um, you know, that's something that he addresses at the end where he thinks he's like, you know what, I'm probably prejudiced too, he pretty much says, and in uh, the same way that they're prejudiced against us. Hey, thanks for listening to Theology Pit. You can donate at samsonstick.com or visit me on Facebook at um, The Theology Pit. And now it's definitely time to close down the pit. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Theology Pit. Do us a favor and check out our website at samsonstick.com. Tell us what you like or what you don't like and consider making a donation. Just send a buck to show your appreciation. It's more than just money. To us, it's an encouragement. Samsonstick.com. 